This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. All right. Good afternoon, Frank Rosenthal. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who Frank is, but Frank's a great uh, jiu-jitsu competitor, and um, it's been an honor watching your career. I'm, uh, I- I'm a teammate of Matt Cully from Budokan and uh, watched you at Rise many times, his promotion, and uh, really happy to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So Frank, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in, in Rockland County, New York, which is uh, like a suburb of Manhattan. It's about 45 minutes north of the city. Um, so I grew up there and then uh, went to college in Pennsylvania, went to East Stroudsburg University, and then moved back to uh, the New York area where I, you know, kind of started taking jujitsu more seriously, um, ended up moving, you know, closer to, to the city, lived in Queens for a little bit. And then, uh, and then, you know, recently about a year and a half ago, like made the move out to, to Virginia where I currently am. So, um, so yeah. Definitely want to get to the Virginia and everything you got going on, but I just want to rewind a little bit back to your, your childhood a little, did you grow up playing sports? Yeah, I, I was pretty active. Um, you know, as a kid, I, I tried a little bit of everything, did like, you know, the typical stuff, uh, you know, little league soccer, stuff like that. Um, when I got to about fifth or sixth grade, um, I had tried lacrosse and that, that started to stick, um, and then started wrestling in seventh grade. So cool. through middle school and high school, I would say lacrosse and wrestling were my two main areas of focus that I enjoyed. Um, but I always enjoyed playing, you know, any, any kind of sport really. Um, but, but early on it was definitely most dedicated to lacrosse and wrestling. Yeah, I, I was a big lacrosse player. Yeah. I played lacrosse my whole life and two years in college before I retired. Uh, I just, I retiring from lacrosse and I was also a competitive ski racer. Um, mm. That's what led to jujitsu. So, you know, when I, I was like looking for something to do and that was a, a great story because one of my best family friends, Lou Levine, dad of one of my best girlfriends, he grew up a martial artist in the New York area over here. And while he was growing up, he was training with all these guys. Who were those guys? Matt Serra, John Danahar, you know, all, all those guys. And so he was uh, in that circle. And they used to train in their basements and their garages. They None of them had academies. And they would right. migrate into the city to, uh, to Henzo's. So Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, had it been available to you back then, you might have started earlier. But um, it, it wasn't as, as just available as it is now. Yeah. Well, it turns out it was available by me. I just didn't even know what it was. Like I saw Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on Sunrise Highway in Long Island and it I, it, it was Rodrigo Gracie, but I thought it was like Capoeira. I didn't even know right. what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. It wasn't until 2005 with uh, the Ultimate Fighter show on FX that I learned what Jiu-Jitsu actually was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've come a long way in terms of uh, the mainstream you know, level of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, did you play lacrosse for East Strasburg or wrestle for them? No. So they, they had a club lacrosse team. Um, you know, I, I wanted to play in college, but I wasn't quite, you know, division one material. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, that big of a guy. And, you know, I was, I was good in high school, but I wasn't like a, uh, you know, like, a, like that level of, of player. So um, I tried the club team for a little bit and, and, you know, didn't really like it. So at that point, though, I had really started to get into jujitsu. Um, actually some of my first experiences were with Matt Sarah because 
oddly enough, my cousin who got me into jujitsu was training under Matt and, and trained under Matt all the way, you know, uh, till, till Brown belt. So some of my first experiences were going to long Island and staying with my cousin and we would train a bunch at Matt's Academy. And from the time I met him, Matt was, Matt was always really good to me. Like, you know, I was just some kid coming in and trying to get started. And Matt um, was always very nice to me. And we continue to, when we see each other now, like he, he's always super supportive and has been a great, um, you know, just great dude and, and great for jujitsu on Long Island. He's really like raised the level. Um, but yeah. He's, uh, he's always been a force for the sport of mixed martial arts and for jujitsu. And he's got the most magnetic personality. You know, there's like a whole case study in him of just how to run a business. And the fact that you've been around him so much is, is probably a good thing for your, uh, you know, new business, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So, um, how old were you when you started jujitsu? Oh man, I was, so I was right, uh, out of high school. So I was 17. Um, wow. Well, I'm like young for my grade. So I, I actually started college and I was still 17. Um, and at the September, time, baby, in October. Okay. But there was no real, you know, formal kind of classes or anything going on. So my experience was limited to visiting my cousin on Long Island. And then at school, there was like a couple other kids that were into it, but there was no instruction. There was no like anything really. So what I used to do is uh, we would go into one of the gyms. They had these mats on the walls, but the mats were like the Velcro ones that you can like tear off the the strip on the wall that would cover this rock wall. So we would tear them down and lay them on the floor and just like roll and and just like try to learn on the go. Well, the college got kind of tired of us doing that. And so then they, they chained through like a, like a, like a strip, like the, the mats to the wall so that you had to need, you needed a key to unlock it. So we would go in and we would cut the the thing off so that we could lay the mats down and train. Like that's just how badly I, I wanted to train, but also spoke to how limited the resources were. Like I didn't have a martial arts school nearby that I could go. So um, eventually an MMA gym came around later, which I ended up, you know, teaching at, but in the beginning, it was just like, any mat time I could get was, was, you know, um, was good, but it wasn't easy to do. Yeah. As you graduated, you were, were you a hundred percent focused on jujitsu? Yeah, I want, so I wanted to drop out of school, like by, by sophomore year. Um, you know, I, I had come home for the summer and I'd started training at a, at a Hensel Gracie affiliate school and I'd gotten Which like one? my blue belt. Uh, it was called Hensel Gracie Northern Valley. Oh, sure. And, uh, and I'd gotten my blue belt. And then I was like, I was like, I love this. Like, I want to drop out of school. And I was already competing and all this. And my parents like, absolutely not like finish college and then drop out. So yeah, I was, I was pretty like hooked from the beginning, but I did end up finishing. And um, in the long run, it actually worked out better. It was, it was the right move. Was that around like 2016, 2017? Yeah. So, uh, no, no. Oh, sorry. That was earlier. I, so we're talking like, I got my blue belt in like 2010, maybe. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So this is before the DDS was a thing. This is before anyone knew who John was. I knew who John was through my cousin and through Matt because he had done a seminar at their school, but jujitsu was not like this, this thing yet. Like it was Sure. by the time I was towards the end of college, 
that's when it started like changing. Um, I thought you were a little bit younger, uh, or a little bit, uh, younger than I think you are. So yeah. you're, uh, you're in your thirties now. I'm 32. 32. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I pegged you a little okay. bit younger. Everybody um, says that. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's a good thing to have, to have yeah. that youthful look, but also it's not only that because, um, I, you were very much a part of this, you know, DDS, uh, this, this room, you know, yeah. every day on Instagram, all of us watching this incredible thing unfold, uh, with Eddie Cummings and Gary Tonin and, and Gordon and, and you were right there, you know, in that room is one of yeah. the students constantly getting shout outs and, and competing on the stage at, you know, a lot of these events and doing really well. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was funny. It was like when it started, you, you didn't know really how special it was and what it was going to become. But there, I do remember a specific day where, um, you know, I was talking to Eric and I, I said, man, like this thing is really like really unique and um to even be a small part of it is is like a very special thing and i remember just saying we really have to cherish this and value it because in my experience um nothing good or bad lasts forever and who knows like the the dynamic could could change and people could come and go and um that could very much change the team dynamic and then sure enough not too long after that the team dynamic did start to change. You know, Eddie Cummings had moved on and that was like a big deal for me, especially. Um, I had spent a lot of time with Eddie and he really was a, a big influence on me um, and, and helped me out a great deal. So when he left, it was kind of like, I was like, oh man, like this thing isn't going to last forever. We have to like really squeeze everything we can out of this experience because um, whether it's a band, whether it's a team, whether it's whatever, people go their separate ways. And uh, I just feel really grateful that I I feel like I took every ounce of knowledge that I could and appreciated it while while I had it, you know? Yeah, I absolutely feel what you're saying. Uh, I lived in New York City for 12 years before I recently moved out to Long Island after COVID. And every day I would travel from Manhattan to Long Island where my office was. Mm -hmm. And my, my dojo under Sensei Nardu, which were a Henzo Gracie affiliate in uh, Limbrook at the time, now Valley Stream, I would feel like so close to the source of what was going on and Sensei's going in and he's bringing back the technique. And every once in a while, I would get a chance to go uh, train with John and, uh, and go to the, the basement. But I always felt like it's there. I could always go there. And, and then COVID hit and then it that's it. I lost my chance. You know, I, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I can't go. There's still great jujitsu there, by the way. And I've trained with uh, Mike Germello, who's fantastic. And there's still incredible jujitsu all over the place, but to, to have had that there, it's, I also feel grateful just for those, those few times. And yeah, you uh, could I had LIR and, and go into the city and, and then, you know, be back home. Yeah. And I, and I had on two occasions, I got to train with Eddie Cummings actually out at Hamptons Jiu-Jitsu, not in the city at those times, but just feeling that kind of technique and pressure was something of which I didn't even, it was almost as if we were doing two different sports. Yeah. You know, I've yeah. been training Jiu-Jitsu now at that time. It was probably about 10 years. I'm 14 years in. And I remember the feeling of having him pass my guard and using parts of his body that I didn't even know you were supposed to use in jujitsu. I felt completely immobilized. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a there's a there's like a game behind the game, and sometimes you don't know that it exists until you find out, and you're like, oh man, like how how many layers back does this go? Yeah, um, I'm still the, the cool thing about jujitsu is that'll never stop. Like I I still feel like that, you know, and I've been doing this for you know almost 15 years now, and and even still, I'm I'm like, oh man, like this this thing is it just never ends. Yeah. Are you still just as jacked up by it now today as, as you were then? Oh, I would say even more now. Like um, you go through periods, you know, I think in the beginning it's so easy to get excited because you're starting from nothing. And so anything is exciting. Um, and then it gets harder and harder, I think, to find the same level of like excitement in the sport because now you've experienced so much of it. And so that's why it's a tricky thing. Um, it takes better training partners and better coaching and better um, thinking on, on your part in order to like find that same level of interest. Um, but luckily I've been so fortunate where like, man, the majority of my jujitsu experience has been with, you know, John and the DDS and now at 50, 50 with Ryan Hall. So I'm like, I, that's so uncommon. Like I'm so lucky and I was in both situations able to never get complacent because there's just so much to learn from who I'm working with and the guys around me that I feel very fortunate. But, um, but yeah, it's uh it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's very interesting. And, uh, I'm, I'm so happy to hear your perspective on it. Um, cause it's, it's refreshing and it's also, and I feel the same exact way about, you know, people in my life that have been so important in my development, both in business and, and in jujitsu. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your competition career and you as a competitor. You know, uh, were you a very competitive person growing up? Is that is competition something that you felt uh, a severe call to? Like you wanted to be one of the best, one of the best in the world? Yeah, I, I always loved competing from a young age, uh, but to be honest, just wasn't that great at it. Um, I I think I worked hard in the sports I was involved in but performance anxiety was always a thing it always felt like I was the kid on the team that never performed in competition when it counted the way that I did on the practice field. Um, and that when, when my athletic career <clears throat> ended in high school as, you know, a lacrosse player and as a wrestler, I looked at jujitsu as like a, Hey, like this is a, a second kind of shot to, um, do something that you really love and also kind of, prove to yourself that you don't have to be that guy that was, you know, left all his good stuff in, in the practice room. You can go out and you can like, you know, do these things. And to a degree, I, I don't know that I've realized my full potential yet. I, I think I still have a lot, uh, a long way to go, which is a good thing, but I've definitely made, you know, growth um, in terms of performing on the stage when it counts. And you know, there, there's definitely some things I'm proud of. I'm not complacent by any means, but, um, you know, I've, I've definitely, um, I've, I've taken a step in the right direction in closing the gap between what I'm capable of in the room and what comes out on the stage. So I'll, I'll continue to do that, um, you know, going forward, but it's, it's, I think it's a process that you never fully master. It's something that you, you, you're always kind of working on. Yeah. 
for sure. Do you um, do you see yourself continuing your uh, competition career at the highest levels? Are you going to go for ADCC again, trials? Yeah, I will absolutely continue to pursue the the tournaments that are meaningful to me. Um, I would say at this point, the what is meaningful to me might look a little different than three years ago or two years ago or five years ago. Um, but I, I am by no means walking away from competition. Um, in fact, like I said before, I feel more um, motivated and interested in jujitsu than ever before. I think my jujitsu, especially in the last year, has like um, come a long way. And so I think I have a lot more to show, um, you know, for myself uh, on the competition mats. Obviously, the rest of your life catches up with you a little bit as, as you get a little older. So, um, yeah, it, you know, I'm not going to be out there every weekend like I was, you know, uh, a few years back. But I, I will definitely be out there um, and look forward to competing at the big events like, you know, the, the ADCC trials for, for sure. Um, I have a couple super fights lined up with that are pretty, pretty high level matches. So, you know, continuing to, to get out there and do the stuff that I feel is, uh, going to help my development. Um, but my competitive flame is very much still there. Uh, in fact, I would say it's even, it might even be stronger now. Oh, good. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Cause I've always enjoyed watching you yes. compete. I've, I love when I see your name on the marquee or on the paper that you're going to be in, you know, in the event. Uh, I was always so grateful when you did the Rise promotions. I've uh, sponsored many of the Rise events for my company, Mixology Clothing Company, and and Matt Cully, who's been an incredible friend and mentor for me and uh, and senior student for me, absolutely making sure that I know that I'm humble and that he could just absolutely beat the living crap out of me whenever he wants. You yeah. need those people in your life. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm so I love to hear that you're still going to go out there and compete because uh, you're starting a business. So you, you've moved down to Virginia. Yeah. What brought you down to Virginia? So I, I had actually, um, it's a funny story. I did the, uh, the Kasai tournament in 2018. Yeah. It was my first kind of big tournament. Uh, I just got my black belt. And after the tournament, we go to this bar in, in the city, not far from the venue. And I'm at the bar and who I see, I see Bruno Frizzato, who is in my division, who I didn't get to wrestle that night. Unfortunately, he got hurt. And I see Ryan Hall and I'm like, holy shit. It's like, it's Ryan Hall. Yeah. And Ryan, Ryan and I start talking and he's like, Hey man, um, you know, great job tonight. He said, if you ever want to come down to Virginia and get some training and you know, we, we'd love to have you. And I'm like, that'd be amazing. So um, Ryan's uh, student at the time is a buddy of mine. Uh, his name's Adam Benyun, currently top 10 grappler in the world as well. So Ryan and Adam and I start training and we just kind of had a very seamless relationship where we, we meshed together very well. We trained together well. We got along off, off the mats very well. So it just kind of continued for the next four years. And I would make trips pretty regularly to Virginia to train with these guys. And then when the DDS broke up, um, you know, I remember I was in Puerto Rico for a little bit, went to Europe to do a seminar tour. And I'm talking to Craig and Craig's like, hey, man, like, I think by the time you get back, this thing's going to be done. This thing's going to be split. So I kind of knew that that was happening. And Ryan was like, listen, like, you know, I've been saying it for years. You're always welcome down here in Virginia. You have a place, you know, to, to teach at, at 50, 50 and we'll help however we can. And like, man, he might not know it, but he, he like 
I think saved my career because not to say that I wouldn't have been fine. You know, I could have stayed in New York and maybe opened a gym, but it would have been difficult to take my jujitsu to the next level and continue competing without some kind of guidance. And Texas just didn't really seem like it was going to fit for what I wanted to do. Um, And so what ended up being a really sad thing for me in the team breaking up ended up in this, like the silver lining being this, this amazing thing where I got to learn now from another great team and um, another great mind in jujitsu and ended up falling in love with everything about this place. And now, you know, I'm opening a business here. And so it's fun. It's just weird how things work out, but it's very um, weird. You turn left one day and you just don't know what's going to happen in your life. And uh, it's the, these, uh, these interactions with people, um, they say one thing and it alters the course of your life. If you're, if you're brave enough to go for it, you know, yeah. Think about how many times people in your life offer you to come do something. You know, hey, uh, why don't you come down, come to my house this weekend? Or, hey, you want to go skiing? Or let's play golf. And you're just like, most people, what do they do? They're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. They never. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll say my my friend Adam uh, Benyun was a huge help in helping me make the leap because I think he understood the best out of anyone where like the challenges and he's like, listen, Frank, I understand you're hesitant. Like you're, you've been in New York your whole life. You love New York, but you can, and it's a crazy idea to like move to Virginia. Like, and, but Adam had done it, you know, like Adam and I lived in the same neighborhood in Astoria. Like he yeah. trained at Marcello's. He trained five blocks away from where I trained at Henzo's. Yeah. And so he's like, I know what you're feeling, but if you make the leap, like it, it can be really good. And so that was a big help. And like kind of seeing like somebody had taken this path before and it worked out really well for him. So yeah. that was, that was a little bit more, I wasn't exactly like a guinea pig. Yeah. Is uh let, let me see where the Academy is. So it's 50, 50. Is it like right outside DC kind of Virginia? Like- yeah. So we're like 10, 15 minutes outside of DC in uh falls church. Um, and so we, we get actually a lot of our students, um, you know, some of them live in D.C., Arlington, um, Falls Church, obviously, the, the surrounding areas. So it's cool. It's in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of Henzo's because um, it's so close to a central hub, you know, which is D.C. So when people are in town for work or visiting, we always have a lot of visitors coming in, which reminds me of Henzo's. Yeah. And that's always nice. You know, it's it's cool that on their work trip, people think to, you know, stop by to take a jujitsu class. Um, and, um, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a very well-known Academy and, um, sure. And yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you say Virginia, uh, especially people from around the country, sometimes you, you feel like that might be somewhere all the way out here. Right, right, <laughs> but, right. Uh, no, it's right, right on the banks. I mean, you're basically, it's, it's Washington DC, you know, yep. suburb. So you're in a, a very densely populated area and a lot of people come by here. Um, when I had uh, uh, Ricardo Almeida on the podcast, he told me the reason he picked the location of his gym in New Jersey was it was halfway in between Philadelphia and New York City. Yeah. He's like, that's where he set up shop. It was a strategic thing. And okay. I think there's a lot of good strategy in having an academy right here. Yeah. And Ricardo is so amazing. Like wherever he opened up, he was going to do well, but he's smart too. So um, that that's awesome. 
Yeah. My buddy, I'm, I'm looking at this map right here. I've got it pulled up for those of you who are watching or listening. But my buddy, when he fled COVID from New York City, he bought a house right here in this Easton St. Michael's area. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever spent any time over here, but it is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. A little corner of the world. Yeah, I haven't been yet, but I, I should check that out. It doesn't look too far. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, yeah. So what's, uh, so you're starting your own Academy. What's uh, the genesis of this? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, when I moved here, um, I, I told, um, Ryan, I was like, listen, um, you know, I'm closer to opening my own Academy than not. Um, and I said, I don't know where that's going to be. It might be back home in New York. I'm like, so I'll kind of take it the first year here and see how it goes. And, um, like I said, I just fell so in love with Virginia and the training here and the people here that um, I had a conversation with Ryan. I said, listen, man, I'd, I'd like to stick around because I think I could do well in New York, but it would be difficult to continue to get guidance and get good training in, in the spot that I want to open because I would have opened back in Rockland where I'm from. And the closest training would have been like, you know, my good friend's um, Jason Rao, John Callistein, Nick Ronan, which are amazing. They're amazing, um, you know, jujitsu practitioners themselves, but they're far. They're like an hour and a half away. Yeah. So I said to myself, realistically, if I'm running a business and, and doing all that, am I going to be able to drive an hour and a half to go train? I'm like, I've been doing that like the last little while. Like I did that to get to the city. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And so um, I said, Ryan, you know, like with your blessing, I'd really like to open up in Virginia so that I can continue to train with you and Adam and all the students at 5050 to keep my game sharp because um, martial arts is obviously really important to me. And Ryan and, and his wife, Jen, and, and everybody have been nothing but supportive. They've been just so helpful in um, everything to do with, with the gym. And so we ended up, you know, uh, my, my school will actually be a 50, 50 affiliate. And, um, it's been awesome to see the team grow and continue to expand throughout North, you know, Northern Virginia. Um, you know, we have Adam Benyun in Springfield, who's got black cat jujitsu. We have Seth Smith, you know, down in Richmond, who's got upstream BJJ. And now we'll have, you know, myself in, um, in Herndon with phantom jujitsu. And so the, the team just continues to grow, um, which is pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, fantastic. I see you're right over here on 267, right near Dulles Airport. So yeah. really well located for, for visitors and people who are coming to DC, people who are coming to Virginia, stop by, do a little jujitsu on the way to the airport. Yeah. Uh, that's really great. And I see you're near a Trader Joe's and a Home Depot. So it seems like you've picked a pretty damn good location if I, uh, I'm putting my business hat on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was actually the, the first one I looked at. I just kind of, I, I was looking on the internet for a, a while and I, you know, I saw this place and this is the first place I actually physically went and visited. And um, I was like, man, like obviously, you know, there's negotiations that have to happen and paperwork and this and that. But um, I said to myself, if, if this ends up working out, I think this could be really cool. So luckily it did. And now we're about four weeks away from opening. So um, that's great. It it's hasn't quite hit me yet, but it's starting to feel more real by, by the minute. Yeah. Well, if I could be of service to you in any way, uh, you know, I've been in the commercial real estate business, uh, since I was 18 years old, I'm 37 today, I'm almost 38. And, uh, I have a, a lot of knowledge in running and opening businesses, especially with real estate build out. So 
you always feel like you can run it by me if you have questions about leases. I, I'm writing a book, Business Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, um, wow. It's, uh, that's the purpose why I started this podcast. But my first book was called This Is It. And I talk a lot about businesses starting, uh, writing your first lease, taking that risk, building out space for the first time. And I've talked about it a lot on this podcast and I made myself available uh, for free to anybody listening. And I've had dozens and dozens of young people reach out to me starting businesses. And there's like, hey, please take a look at this lease before I sign it. And so it sounds like you've already done that. But yeah. um, for you or anybody listening, I, I'm, I'm happy to be helpful. Just shoot me a message on Instagram. Happy to set up a couple minutes to talk. Yeah, thank um, you so much. So yeah, listen, anytime. Um, a few things off of what you just talked about. First of all, as I was looking on Google Maps, uh, for those of you listening, I pulled up Frank's school. I see that there's a couple golf courses in the area. There are now. Couple. I'm not some major golfer. I've I've have played golf my whole life, but I'm not like super into it. I'm way more into jujitsu. Uh, on on Saturday and Sunday mornings in the summer, I'm going to train at Hamptons Jujitsu out in the Hamptons. Or by the way, with Rich Byrne for who the CEO of Kasai. You mentioned Kasai before. Shout out Rich. Rich and, is the uh, best. I love Rich and Greg Melita and uh, Randy Neves and Kristen and all the crew at Northwork Grappling. So shout out to them. But um, I saw you put up a post. You've been playing golf recently. Yeah, I you know, I, I grew up kind of like playing here and there. And <clears throat> I always liked it, but like it's hard to get good if you play twice a season. And then the last couple years, I've, I've been doing it more consistently. And with as chaotic as jujitsu can be, golf kind of balances me out and has been a really fun way to kind of decompress and, and hit the reset button. Um, but at the same time, because I'm like hyper competitive and I take everything way too seriously, I can't just do things like for fun, like a normal person, I have to like obsess over it. So <laughs> when I'm not doing jujitsu, I'm like obsessing over, over golf and, uh, I'm still not great, but the, the, the effort is definitely there. And, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I find it's, it actually matches up very well with the ideas that, uh, would make anybody successful in an athletic activity. Um, but it's, it's unforgiving. It's, uh, it's a challenging game, but it's, um, it's, yeah, it's just something I've really like grown to, to enjoy. Yeah. Um, the reason why I reached out to you when you put that up was because I constantly am finding golf metaphors inside mm -hmm. of jujitsu and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I always talked about, I was like, Hey, do you play golf? They're like, no, <laughs> you know, like nobody that I do jujitsu with plays right, golf. Right. And so I, it's so rare to find somebody, but there's like, there's interesting aspects of golf and jujitsu that I think like, I'm going to give you an example. I'll see if you have any uh, understanding of this, but like, sure. Sometimes when I'm pass when I'm passing, right, and I'm working on like a new passing technique or I'm working on an angle, if I do it too loose, I'm getting swept. Mm -hmm. And if I do it too hard, sometimes you can drive right past the house, like shank or hit it left or right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like golf. Like I'm doing it too loosey-goosey. And so sometimes what do you do in golf? Like you overcorrect, you rip the hell out of the club and then you hit it, try to hit it as hard as you can. Right. And like, I'm just, I find that metaphor so often in jujitsu where it's like, I'm either too relaxed and loose or I'm too, I want to kill something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, 
I've tried to use golf metaphors with my students, but only like one other student in the class plays. So I end up probably sounding like an idiot um, more so than usual. But um, yeah, I, I think what both come down to and my jujitsu has, I think, helped me understand what I'm trying to do in golf probably quicker than if I didn't have this experience. Uh, I think what it comes down to is like, first, just knowing like, what is it that we're after? Like, what, what is my general goal here? And what are going to be the few things that help me, um, you know, accomplish that goal? So like, when we talk about guard passing, like, before we get into the weeds of like this grip or this pass or this submission, um, I, you know, as like, we teach our students, like, you got to be in good, you just have to be in base. Like, if you're falling over as you're trying to do these movements, it won't matter what move you're trying to do. It's going to unravel. So like when I'm playing golf, like these simple cues of just the alignment of my feet, um, my breathing and just being connected through the floor is going to be the prerequisite before any technical adjustment I make with my swing or uh, my club path or, or what I'm trying to do in terms of the shot that I hit. And so kind of taking it down to the bare bones of like, what is it that is going to allow me to make those corrections um, has been really helpful. Um, and, and then you tend to see that the problems often stem from a flaw in these really simple ideas. Um, think about it. Like that's why hitting at the range is so much easier than hitting on the course. Why? Well, you're standing on perfectly level ground. The ball is on turf that your club tends to slide on, whereas in real grass and dirt, it'll catch. So if you make a mistake, it's much more forgiving. You don't have to stand awkwardly. So you're getting to start with like the most ideal starting position. So that's like on top in jujitsu, if you promise not to try to off balance me or submit me, like, of course, I'm going to feel a lot better. So just like basic ideas of like having my feet and my body in good alignment, having good base, being connected with the floor. And that allowing me to relax enough to make the adjustments I need to in jiu-jitsu or golf has been a huge help. Um, you know, like just learning how to actually swing in a way where my body's in alignment lets me crack the ball so much more with so much better contact than if you're picking up too early, you're, you know, you're doing all these things. And so if there's one thing I've learned, like from jujitsu, better to make very simple adjustments than a million small adjustments. And that'll actually start to help you distill what, what the real problem is. Um, because if you change 10 things at once, you don't know which thing is actually making the difference. Mm -hmm. So like the best advice I've gotten in jujitsu and the best advice I've gotten on the golf course is like, just change one thing at a time and, and see if that corrects the problem, because otherwise you're, uh, it's it's not great science if you're changing too many variables at once. It feels so good to be understood. Like, yeah. thank you so much yeah. for saying all that. Like, it's so clear that you 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 understand my exact question and something that I've been so fascinated by. And um, and and that really is unpacking what what I'm trying to get at the heart of it, this book, which is like these universal truths, these things that occur in our life in all different places and. Jiu-Jitsu has been so impactful in my business. You know, it's been so impactful on the golf course. Um, learning these things one at a time, like you yeah. just mentioned. I call it a technical framework. Like when I'm learning a technique, I'm learning this thing. Yeah. And I might learn it over and over and over and over again for a decade or plus. Yeah. And I just keep uncovering new things about it. 
Just like you said, one of the things, the common things in jujitsu and golf is the grip. It's a very unique aspect of golf. It's a very unique aspect of jujitsu is gripping sequences and sure. where to put your hands. And so things that I learned as a white belt, I'm still being taught them and I'm still falling in love with the details over and over and over again. It's, it's yeah. just so beautiful. And, uh, and being able to carry them and to carry them over to other parts of my life uh, has been so rewarding. And so I, I just loved having those conversations. When does the book come out? So my manuscript is done. I'm editing it and I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that it'll be out by June, but uh, I've been working on it for quite some time. So we'll see. Awesome. I look yeah. forward to I've it. been going back and forth with my editor trying to get it into a final, you know, a good position. Um, because I think that this book might reach a niche audience. I mean, jujitsu and business people, you know, right. there's, there's not a lot of us. Um, like you and I, our fellow jujitsu, and I'm not yep. talking about the J-I-U kind, I'm talking about the J-E-W kind. Uh, mm -hmm. We're a niche within a niche, you know, yeah. we're, we're a tight niche. Right. So it's, um, but I do think that a lot of people will connect with this because of how many people have taken an interest in the podcast and the Instagram account. And that just reach out to me on a consistent basis. You know, there are people like me who they're in business or they're a doctor or they do something and they're just obsessed with jujitsu and it's helped yeah. them so much in their life. Yeah, for sure. I think like, uh, it's funny, the, the more people you meet in jujitsu and you meet people that are good at their given area, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a policeman, a whatever, there's like a, a, a common thread that you start to see over and over and just things that make people good at what they're doing. And so that's, that's also been a, a huge benefit just being around, different types of people. Um, and, and knowing that, um, it's not so different, like the things that you need to do to be a great businessman or a great podcaster or a great, whatever. Um, it's just not that different. And that's why it's actually of no surprise when people that are really successful in their field of work, when they come in and get into jujitsu and they get really good at that, I'm not all that shocked because I'm like, Oh, you, you understand what you have to do to get good at something. This is just applying that in a different uh, field. Um, yeah. So that, that's been cool to watch too. Yeah. I love all these local legends and heroes. They, I'm sure they exist in where you are now, but I'm sure you remember all these guys in the New York area that were so good. And yeah. John would talk about it often on a podcast and you'd hear Gordon talk about it. And they'd say like, we've got guys that have never competed that you've never heard of. World champions come into this gym and they embarrass them. Yeah, it's it was a it was a deep room and it was a humbling room because you know I'm out there I'm flying all over the country and sometimes internationally to compete and then uh, against big names but I, I know I'm coming back to New York on Monday afternoon and I, I could get you know beat up by some dude that nobody's ever heard of um, and so that that'll keep you humble you know um, it's funny like jujitsu doesn't really care how many followers you have on Instagram or what titles you've won or what you're supposed to be on paper. It only cares about, are you doing the correct things to, to win? And so you could have never competed in your life, but guess what? Like if, if you do the correct steps um, when we're training and I don't, um, the fact that I compete or the fact that I'm a black belt, that, that doesn't protect me. So it was a constant reminder of that. Um, and it continues to be a constant reminder because you know, at 50, 50 now there, there's plenty of people who, um, the jujitsu community might not know of or have heard of, but, uh, 
you know, these people are very good. And so it also teaches you to take everybody seriously, you know? Absolutely. Well, we'll end on that because I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I'd love to share a little bit about your business right here, where people could find you. Uh, you're Frank Rosenthal 11 on Instagram. Yep. Please follow Frank. Uh, you'll, you'll enjoy his, his exploits, keeping updated on his business, you know, talking about high level jujitsu. Here's your new Academy. Phantom jujitsu Academy. Where'd you pick the name? Um, man, actually I struggled so much with the name cause I'm not like creative like that. Um, when I heard the name, actually, I think my girlfriend and I were in the car and we were just like throwing around names and I heard the name and it was, uh, it, it clicked and I liked the way it sounded. But then on a deeper level, um, Ryan had done a, a podcast, um, which you guys I think could find on YouTube probably where he talked about what jujitsu was and what it should be like. And one of the ideas that he talked about and that he constantly, um, helps me to, to try to emulate and understand is the idea of fighting like a ghost. Um, when people, mm. as he says, when, when people want to find you, you're hard to find. And when they want to get rid of you, um, they, they can't, you know, you show up when, when they don't want you to. Um, and so that's very much the way that Ryan teaches and the influence that he's had on my jujitsu. Um, so I thought that, you know, combined with how the name kind of like sounded and looked, um, I, I thought it was a good fit. Um, and so, so yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful for Ryan Hall carrying the jujitsu flag into uh, the UFC. He's been uh, really fun to watch these past couple of years and using some high level jujitsu techniques to win some really impressive matches. And uh, the one with BJ Penn always sticks out. Um, yeah. but I, I've, uh, I've really, really enjoyed watching Ryan Hall. Here's your, I have your class schedule pulled up. You have a busy schedule here. You're teaching uh, six and seven, 6 PM and 7 PM every night, basically yep. uh, Monday through Friday. And you've got an eleven thirty class Tuesday, Thursday, and we'll and be adding. We'll be adding the the Monday, Wednesday too, um, and uh, or sorry, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll be adding shortly once we're kind of up and running, and um, you know, going full steam. Yeah. Well, all these links will be in the description of the podcast where you can find Frank. And if you're in the Virginia area, please visit his academy. And uh, if you need anything, I could be of service to you. If you have any questions about any kind of business, uh, I'm happy to help or point you in the right direction. If you need anything, legal, accounting, real estate questions, build outs, contractors, anything, you know where to find me and, uh, and don't be a stranger. And I, the next time I'm in the area, I'll absolutely reach out. Awesome. Jordan, I really appreciate it. Um, if you come down to Virginia, you gotta, we got to get out on the golf course and, and hack them around. 100%. Thanks a lot, Frank. Awesome. Talk to you.